0: So today we're talking about innovation at agencies, but we're gonna focus on the role that team trust plays in pushing our work further on behalf of our clients. My guest and good friend today is Jay Malone, partner at New Haircut, a digital product strategy group based in New Jersey. And Jay, just like every time we get together, I'm really, really excited for the discussion. So welcome.
1: Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for having me. This is a good discussion. I'm glad that you, uh put it on the table for us to talk about today.
0: Yeah. So so let's start with, um, I guess, a, a foundational question. Why do you think teams at agencies uh, or consultancies, even in-house teams, why do you think that they, they lack trust to begin with? I think that's a good place to start.
1: So I'm of the 50% of people that believe that everyone is doing their best. So I don't think that people are untrusting. I think their their environments cause them to put up walls, just like in, in our personal lives, um, in relationships that we have at home with our kids, with our partners. I think the same um, triggers happen to us in the work environment. And mm. agencies, in-house teams, any kind of team that's working together where trust is required for groups to come together and to create together mm. is – very vulnerable and requires trust and accountability and all these things and when that 's broken, people start to to put their walls up and then I think trust becomes a really a limiting factor
0: mm. Can you share a, a a quick example of sort of how you've witnessed this and some of the the work that you 've done with other brands or groups or agencies or or whatever it is
1: <sighs> yeah well almost all the time I get asked to to join an organization and like all human beings, they're they're reaching out to me because they're ready to move the ball forward and and create something, and bring something to market. And sure enough, time after time, what will happen is we'll be in the room trying to think about what it would look like to bring that solution to market and we get into this creative space where people are asked to put their best ideas forward. Mm And what happened with me is over the course of many, I run a a process called a design sprint, Um, and the the goal of a design sprint is to move from an, uh, an idea, a group understanding of an idea, and put something in the form of a prototype and so you can test it and bring it to market thereafter. And the groups that I work with are typically excited about the process and the methods, but what I've seen happen either in a training format or even in a live environment with, with groups that are trying to work on a business priority um, is that their ideas tend to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll be super excited about that we're working together, that the, even that they're in the same room as someone that they're not used to being in the room with. So a designer being in the same room as an engineer, maybe not so crazy, but a designer being in the same room as an accountant, as a lawyer, as someone that works in the finance team bringing those people together is typically just doesn't typically happen. Um, and so the process is supposed to put them together so that they can just create. But what happens is some of those ideas that they've had in the back of their heads or that have been on the roadmap for a really long time requires the, the company and the culture altogether to decide to invest in that. And if you have these, these groups of people and these organizations that are untrusting, then people start to submit ideas that they know will be safe, that their head won't get chopped off if they, mm-hmm. if they raise it up. So it's come about in, in so many different um, scenarios. Typically what I've learned, I, I read uh, Barry O'Reilly's book a few months ago, Learn, and he has a, a great way of, he called out a process for categorizing uh, organizations um, and with pathological and generative being on the outset. And most of your... You know, typical corporations are pathological in the sense that it's untrusting, power resigns in in a few corner offices, and ideas get kind of disseminated down. And when you have working environments like that, the people that are in the room that are expected to innovate and create together, they're kind of looking, uh, you know, they're kind of side-eyeing how those decisions got made without a true understanding of, will my ideas be inspired and trusted and backed and supported?
0: Mm, Right. So it's interesting to me, you actually started your career out as an engineer, right? And then you began, as you put it, sort of to appreciate or started to appreciate design and you ultimately landed in product management. So what's been the biggest insight that you've derived from your own path from when you started your career to what you're doing now?
1: Well, um... So once in a while I'll get phone calls from people that want to become a facilitator or use, you know, they're they look at folks that are typically working in strategy or research or design altogether. um, And they might come from this sort of engineering background or the people that are the finish line, let's say. So when I came from an engineering perspective, I also thought like what do I know about strategy and and testing and research and great ideas in general and how to have those discussions because like most engineers I was fed requirements and product specs and I was asked to bring it from these sort of well documented but still rough ideas and bring that out to market. So when people that are coming from that product background whether they're a technical product manager or an engineer Um, a lot of them have that same fear and hesitancy. Can I do this work? And I always tell them, you have, your superpower is that you know what the finish line looks like. And so like the success of my career has been to to be able to bring what the finish line looks like and what it requires to, to, to build products and all the feasibility questions that go into that to almost act like a crystal ball to say, this is where we're gonna end up. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to string a process and roles and experiences and and backgrounds together to move from the finish line all the way to the starting point and to Mm -hmm. be able to connect those pieces along the way. So that's Mm -hmm. been I've been fortunate to be able to do that because now I can speak to many different folks and and challenges and different kind of things that groups are trying to experience. Yeah.
0: And in a lot of our past conversations, uh, you referenced Dr. Brown, Dr. Bernay Brown's work a lot, and especially her book, mm. Daring to Lead. Um, can you share a little bit more about her research, how that's kind of impacted how, you know, you really uh, show up in your role now, and especially on like the, the shame and vulnerability and how that sort of pushes teams forward?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's totally a hero of mine. Um, I'm trying my best to get into her workshops, but I have to, uh, I have to get some coaching credentials first, Okay. but so I told a story recently, um, where I was listening to her daring to lead book and she started using words like framing and research and innovation and, you know, things that I thought only existed in the world of product and service design. And, she has always talked about this armor that we have, that, that we use in all of our lives, um, where we kind of armor up to enter into any kind of conversation. And so she was talking about leading teams, but before they get into the work of deciding what they're going to work on for the year, if this, is, if this is an executive group, really trying to stop and understand the problems that they're, that they're working through. And most of the time, the starting point was in the form of trusting one another. And then she connected it to, to these pieces about how innovation is, becomes inspiring and exciting once there is that trust and accountability. So some light bulbs went off as I was reading her Daring to Lead book. I can imagine. Connecting it, yes, and, and connecting it to the same kind of hesitancy that I saw in the workshops that, that I either teach or, or lead. I was like, man, these it's this it, it doesn't matter who's in the room. The whole point is that it's human beings and we're scared and we're vulnerable and we're not sure if we want to stick our neck out. And it doesn't matter if the outcome for you is executive alignment or you know doing some kind of off-site retreat to, to rebuild company culture, mm-hmm. or if you're trying to build an app or the next feature. All of that requires a commitment for the team to get together and trust one another right. so that you can do it together. Because no, as we all know, the, the greatest products can't be designed and built from one person. It, re, it requires a team.
0: Right, right. And I think that's a really important point that you're making, that innovation We're not just talking about innovation from the standpoint of product development we're really talking about innovation in terms of culture and addressing maybe some of the problems or thinking more creatively about solving a problem at an agency Uh, it doesn't have to be innovation in the way that we kind of take that term and we apply it to product development or you know the the other things that we often apply it to in the agency world i think that's a really really important point
1: yes so Whenever I use terms like design thinking or innovation, you're totally spot on. So group, the the people that recoil from that, they could be engineers, right? They hear they hear design and, and they're nervous to kind of enter into that discussion. But you could also have groups that are in HR and finance and legal and whatnot and they think that, that is, that's not their realm. But what the greatest thing is, is that design thinking or innovation or or any kind of like innovation process can totally be engineered to help you do your job better. So just because you're brought in, maybe your your introduction into design thinking and innovation is to help a product team create a new product. But what's really what's really amazing is when you take those tools and you apply them to your job. So salespeople applying design thinking to build empathy into their sales process and understand what's important to their customers, it's only going to help them and It's going to slow them down to speed up the whole process altogether instead of just adding volume to the number of calls that they're making, really truly understanding the problems that their customers are facing. Right. could be applied to any kind of team, any kind of outcome that you're trying to get to.
0: Right, right. Um, and you recently authored a piece on uh, something very similar and you called out uh, Brene Brown's work, um, Vulnerability and Design Thinking, and you you published that on Boxes and Arrows. Can you talk a little bit about that piece?
1: Yeah, it came, to kind of go back to what I was saying before, it came from the inspiration of listening to Brene and, and connecting um, the pieces that really kind of connecting this my story to her story mm-hmm. and seeing that where she gets groups to understand the, I think what I was excited about is that she gets groups to the point where they have that foundation of trust mm-hmm. and my work requires that work, but without... My work, once you're trusting, there's not really this regimented process to move from a team that trusts and can create together to actually getting to the finish line. So what I was, it was kind of this uh, thought piece, an op-ed kind of that said, man, if we could actually create these cultures of trust and then bring together some of the structure and co-creation of design thinking or design sprints, Mm -hmm. that's a really powerful combination that I'm hoping that more groups are open to experimenting with. And sometimes it's just taking really small pieces and introducing them into the front of an innovation practice. So even just starting the discussion, you know, like stakeholder interviews and and kind of understanding what's important to everybody, that's great. But once you have the team in the room and everyone's armor is up, just asking them, you know, um, why is this important to the group? What are we trying to achieve? Um, there's and so, there's some really great questions that Brené has, has mentioned that you can see the discussion with. And I, I talked a little bit about those in the article. Really just letting the group feel that they can be safe, that this is a safe place for them too. And I think the biggest pushback is that groups are there to deliver and to get a job done. And innovation requires results and outcome and speed and action and all these things and it's amazing that if you just start and spend 15 minutes at the beginning of such a such a program maybe you're in the room for 2 or 3 days that 15 minutes the the return on that is exponential where you you, you just you've you've laid the foundation for the team to spend the next couple of days really kind of trusting one another right. leaning and, into the process
0: and i would also imagine that you know even though you're starting at the very beginning with that that 15 or 20 minutes and this might be a multiple-day process, when they come in on day two, it's not like you have to go back to that. It's just all it is is compounding, right? Like, we started with this 15 minutes. We all understand we're on the same page. We're starting to trust one another. Then we have this whole day together. We come in the next day. We're even more excited and even more energized and feel even safer to be able to, you know, put our ideas forward.
1: Yeah. You know, it's... Yes, that is... That's kind of the holy grail of how design thinking could work, and it's it's really a shame where if I coach people or I'm in teams at the, at the really starting point, they're so um, they're so beaten up because they're it's typically I, I work with an organization that I'm working with one person, mm-hmm. and you you know you think about groups like Google and Spotify and Nike and all these huge groups, and you always assume. That there's these masses of people that are all in sync, holding hands, building products together. And typically, there's there's so much frustration around policy and who's allowed to talk to who, and um, you know who's brought into a group to do to do the work together. And it it's trust. Trust is at the center of all of that. And so sometimes you can't start with innovation. You have to start with getting people out of the building and just kind of understanding that you're in it together so it's a little bit of kumbaya type stuff but that's why i'm such a fan of coaching and that whole the the whole realm what coaches can do and the reason that i actually got into coaching very recently is because i i've seen the benefit of what coaching has done for me to open me up to new ideas and make me curious about things and that's that's the starting point
0: um, as we start to wrap up, I would love for, for everyone to kind of just hear a little bit more of you know, your uh, evolutionary story with New Haircut. Like I know, you know what New Haircut started out as and what it is today is vastly different, and I think that's a good wrap-up for the show.
1: Oh, cool. Um, so New Haircut, I, I started it with my former business partner um, in 2010. We started as a, as a product development studio. So, building anything that we can get our hands on, building e commerce sites, animated videos. And for six years, our process was meant to get to the point where a customer told us what they wanted us to build. And after many, many products, bringing them to market, being really excited about the speed at which we can get those things done, spending all this time on lean and agile and making process really hum, what we realized is we were building, we were rapidly really building products that had no, no fit. And, and we're really solving no important problem. So we started teaching ourselves design thinking um, in the form of design sprints, and that really kind of opened up a realm of possibilities for us. We always thought that strategy and, and user experience and customer experience and design thinking was just for another type of human being, and what we realized is it just required a curious mindset. Just being able to go out and talk to people, understand their problems, connect it to, to business outcomes that the company is invested in making mm-hmm. and so over the last three years we've retreated away from the delivery aspect of product design and into all of the discovery and the strategy and the, and the curiosity around why is this an important thing for us to be working on it's pretty cool and research i have a total respect for people that spend their days and nights doing research and getting clear on the challenges that people face in their current experiences mm-hmm. um, and so we've Gone all in on on product design, but more importantly or more more specifically really asking why does this problem exist and and what's the right way to solve it
0: yeah and uh just for my own curiosity, um how has that changed the way that you personally feel about the work that you're doing and and kind of like who you are in the world and your purpose
1: um well i always I always tell people that there's a type of human being that can sell whatever they're asked to sell, and for me, I, I have, I have a, my job in the company has always been to sell, and I had a real struggle selling for six years at New Haircut because, I, I, quite honestly, I didn't really believe in what we were doing. I didn't believe in the value of it. I thought we were all really smart folks in the, in the group, but I didn't think that we were delivering, ultimately, value, and it's a highly commoditized business to be in the world of, of product development. Today, I get to go into all sorts of groups that are asking what's next for us. I mean, to be someone that, has, that is seen as someone that you would trust to answer that question for your company, and these are pretty exciting companies that are doing really great things that millions of people are using their products and services, to be trusted that I can go into a group and help them answer that question of what's next and to build the trust with them and then to, to, to demonstrate that trust so that they can build it for the rest of their organization definitely keeps me going every day. It's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful story. And, you know, you could just tell it kind of shines through. You know, you could just tell that you are so much happier just in the fact that you believe in what you're doing and you're connecting with people on that that other level.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's been fun. Still lots to to do, but I'm having a lot of fun, yes.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, Jay, thank you so much. Uh, I always love our conversations, and this one's no exception. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Kelly. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.